to this episode of the Making Stuff Better podcast, where this time we talk to Hannah McGurk. Hannah is a health improvement specialist working at Leeds City Council. We talk about public health in the city of Leeds, especially what she's doing around older people through COVID and now with a focus on working in partnership around the city's winter plans. We talk about using data, a subject close to my heart, for making good decisions and making it easy for professionals to talk to each other and share information in a person-centred way, making it easy to do the right thing. Hannah mentions The Shine magazine, which I've put a link to in the bio of this episode, but a quick Google search for Shine magazine and you'll find it. You may be able to read about previous guests on this podcast too. So, without further ado, let's get into conversation with Hannah. Okay, in this episode, we are joined by Hannah McGurk. So welcome to the uh, podcast, Hannah. Thank you. Uh, Great to have you here. Um, So firstly, could you just tell us a bit about who you are, um, what your role is in the city? Yeah, um, so my name's Hannah. Um, I work in public health in the older people's team, which is based in the adults and health directorate. So we're based with adult social care in the council. Um, And my role is I'm a health improvement specialist, which basically means that we try and take all the public health knowledge and all the things we know um, improve people's health in the city and try and work with partners and try and translate that into something that makes sense to people. Um, But I'm part of a much bigger team. So the stuff I talk about today is like a tiny section of public health and the council in general. Fab. I mean, to be fair, one of the reasons that I've invited you on is because a couple of other people in other episodes have have dropped your name into conversation. So I thought, well, best have you on. So oh, they've said lovely. really positive things, really nice things. So I thought, well, we'll we'll get you on and uh, and see what you have to say. Um, so so thanks for that introduction. Um, and I suppose so. How did you how did you get to where you are? Um, in your role in as a health improvement specialist in in Leeds what's your what's your journey to this point um so I've always known that I wanted to work with people doing something with people um and my family all work in international development so I always knew I wanted to do something where I felt like I was helping mm-hmm. um but I wanted to do something in England not necessarily somewhere far flung and hot and sunny but I wanted to do something how can I make a difference in the city I live in Um, So I started working in the third sector first. So I worked on the hospital to home project when that got started. Um, So I've worked in Age UK and Red Cross and then kind of that service delivery element. Um, And then the opportunity came up to join public health and the older people's team and older people are very much my passion. That's kind of where I've always wanted to work. And I kind of a group that I feel doesn't get enough space sometimes when we talk about development stuff um so yeah it was really nice for me to see the kind of service provision bit of like actually working with older people in hospital and and on the ground things to then have the opportunity to work in public health where we commission that service or part of it um, and kind of those broader determinants of health and because I've got a sociology background that kind of 
how does everything impact is really interesting to me. I like the idea of of everything having an impact and kind of how do we affect things on a bigger scale as well. Interesting, but I think what I'm hearing like so really from a from a person centered approach, you know, how does this feel for these in this case older people? Yeah, definitely. And that's always been what I've been interested in. So that kind, yeah, how do we make a difference to people who live in Leeds and what do the people in Leeds want to know? Because obviously we've got national policies and like the NHS and stuff like that. But what does that mean to Mrs. Smith who lives in Leeds and or or younger people in Leeds who are going to grow older in this city as well? How do we make this a good city to grow old in and a place where we can all enjoy living and that kind of really understanding at the end of the day? So what for yeah. Mrs. Yeah. Smith or whatever? Yeah. Okay. So, so have you got any examples of of some sort of recent projects that you've you've been working on? I, I'm assuming you work in a sort of project based way. Um, anything you'd like to to highlight, and and yeah. then to sort of you know any any stories that you've got, and and back to how do you know that you're making stuff better for that particular cohort of people? Yeah. Um. So. Two of the things that I kind of thought about before coming here were obviously COVID and COVID work. Um, So that's been a big piece of work, but then linked to that is winter and like the clocks are going back this week. And so I've been thinking about winter as well. And I think that's a good way to think of how all of us as a system come together to support people. So with COVID, obviously everyone's been very busy um, and work we've done has been focused on health inequalities as well. So how do we support people to have that information so that they can make informed decisions? How do we make sure that the barriers to people are kind of removed? And where do we put more support in where people need it um, for the kind of COVID stuff, but then broader for winter as well? Like, how do we all work together to make sure that people move through the system in a way that makes sense to them, I guess? So rather than being referred to 10 different organizations, and retelling their story. How do we make sure that it's easy for professionals to talk to each other and that they know where to go? Um, And so I think that some of the stories around that, there's been lots of people who maybe have not been sure about COVID or like they've been in their house for a long time. And then through kind of partnership working and working with the LCPs, people have been able to identify someone and say, actually, we could do something better for this person, whether it's transport to a vaccine clinic and then they can talk about their health but then also join in with neighbours or do some volunteering or they need help with their fuel bills and that kind of seeing people as people rather than numbers or referrals and how do we do better to help them I guess. Yeah so what does so so what does that look like so if if I don't know. Um, we've we've already mentioned Mrs. Smith, where wherever she lives in the city. So how does she access any of this information? So so if you're doing some stuff around how the system works together as we come up to winter around a person, around an older mm-hmm. person, how does that older person find that information? How are you how are you engaging with that older that group of older people? Mm-hmm. Um. So. A big part of our job is, like I said, to translate that kind of evidence based and then work with the third sector quite a lot. And right. it's we 
hopefully, are empowering the third sector through grants or kind of funding or, or projects to do that work on the ground. So we don't know everything, we don't talk to everybody, but hopefully our role is to support our amazing third sector and lead. So through COVID, we've done like a lot of conversations with people about what they're hearing, um, kind of funding to support people to do the work that they're already doing. And that insight is really essential. I don't think we could do our work if we didn't work closely with the third sector and support yeah. them and hopefully improve their capacity because they're the ones who who talk to these older people. And so hopefully when we're putting out these messages or looking at what we need to do, like for winter, it's in partnership with the third sector. And those are the trusted relationships that they'll have with the people on the ground. So sometimes, like I've done a couple of engagement sessions and I've gone out to lunch clubs and talked to people and that's brilliant and I love it. But yeah. there will also be the conversations that happen every day and that kind of insight gathering and, and people who know. So if we go back to Mrs. Smith, the people in say the lunch club or the neighborhood network will know Mrs. Smith. So if she goes one week and looks slimmer or she doesn't look as, I don't know, she doesn't look as well, they'll know that better than I would if I went to the lunch club and, and just yeah. met her for the first time. So Yeah. Okay. So do you see your role and I suppose yeah, the Leeds City Council, you know, the bit of Leeds City Council that you're in is a bit of an enabler for this work then. So you're so you're enabling the third sector. So they're your sort of conduit to those groups of people. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, so I think that our our role is to support is to listen to what yeah. people need as well, and then also to kind of have that evidence based knowledge. So if people come up with something and say, actually, there's an issue here or like, so health inequalities is obviously a major part of what we do. So looking at where in the city are the health inequalities and how do we work to improve that and working with the people in that area, but then yeah. also looking at what national things we know and what's worked elsewhere and how do we translate that to leads. So yeah. we definitely need that to be in partnership with the third sector, but also other organisations like primary care is massively yeah. important and like LCH sorry acronyms but all those other partners in the city which is why local yeah. care partnerships are so brilliant so rather than me having to meet everybody and form those myself we can go to like Seacroft and everyone's there and we're all there for the people yeah. of Seacroft to kind of yeah. look at what do we do and what do I know and what can we bring to improve people's health but then look at everyone as having important knowledge as well. Definitely. So you've, got, so you've just mentioned Seacroft and I, I happen to know that you've done quite a lot of stuff in Seacroft. So is there anything anything you'd like to, I don't know, showcase or highlight of particularly in Seacroft or, or any of the other local care partnerships where kind of you've been going to local care partnership meetings and I suppose engaging with those partners who then go off into the the communities and then bring back some knowledge back to the local care partnerships and then back to you you know have you got any you know I suppose success stories of, of that way of working um so I think Seacroft I worked quite closely on the frailty work so there was some work in Leeds that we did around frailty and kind of being more proactive and working better together um, yeah. and I worked quite closely with Seacroft and there's a brilliant team there and I think it was a combination of people who were really passionate and really wanted to make the system work better 
Um, and then also this, the city being behind them and kind of saying, OK, here's the money. Let's see what we can do. Um, and I think that that worked really well. So there was a project with a third sector organisation and then there were some primary care people there as well um, who all kind of came together in a way that we know works. And there are pockets where different organisations come together to look at um, patient groups. But I think in Seacroft it worked beautifully because they learned from each other and that kind of learning of third sector knowledge with specialist health knowledge um, and then just talking to people in a way and having the space to talk to people. Um, so there was a story that people may have heard already in the city, but um, there was a gentleman who had two dogs and he lived up some stairs and he, I think he had gone into hospital and he came out with a package of care that was two people four times a day because yeah. that's what the hospital had assessed as his risk levels. Um, but actually, when he came home and spoke to the, peop the um, people from Seacroft who were supporting him, yeah. actually, he didn't need all that. And he, and he wanted to go walk his dogs. And so actually, I think he found more suitable housing so that he could walk his dogs and his dogs had a garden as opposed to his house that was up some stairs which was a uh, falls risk um yeah. and yeah. just i think that's really beautiful the fact that there was so the person from the third sector was able to say actually there's some benefits different housing options there's all this and then the health people could also say yes well from a health point of view there's this this and this and just that being in a room and being yeah. able to share your knowledge and talk about somebody holistically and them also being so he was his own source of knowledge as well and he was empowered to say actually this is what's important to me and so that just benefited everybody because he got a better house and he could keep his dogs and he didn't need that massive package of care and not to say that anything was particularly wrong there the hospital was right to make sure that he had enough support but just yeah I think that that was a really success successful yeah. thing that happened in secret and that's just one of many many stories where people had the time I think to talk to the person and then the space to talk to colleagues as well to figure out what there is in the system and how to navigate it and how to do it yeah I suppose fitting well not fitting the system around the person no what am I trying to say yeah being person-centered so that you know, we're not just referring people willy nilly off to all of these different places, but we're just yeah, taking the time to discuss with the person in the room um, what what matters to me. And we've, you know, we've talked about I think Tim Riley's question was around, you know, what matters to me, um, which is it's, it's an infinitely better way of doing things, isn't it? But so, so hard as well, though, yeah. I think, because I think it's it's easy to talk about how we do things better, but when we don't have the time or the money and I know we've uh, people have talked before on your podcast about that like the firefighting or the working downstream and how do we move things earlier yeah. which I think again the third sector is such a brilliant resource we have in Leeds because our primary care and our secondary care and hospitals are so busy doing that firefighting but our prime our third sector and like voluntary sector they know people and they can help with that and yeah definitely yeah yeah I mean you're absolutely spot on obviously so I mean that there's been a big I think there's been a global pandemic for a little while so so in your work where we know that older people are more um, at risk of poor outcomes of COVID so 
you know, is there anything that you've particularly noticed in, in your work during these COVID times and anything that, I don't know, has influenced perhaps, you know, what we've learned from COVID going forward, how we might do things differently? Yeah, um, so I think we know that there is a big difference in the way people have experienced COVID in the city. Um, I think for some people it's been an exciting, not exciting, but there's been opportunities to connect with people in ways that they haven't before and people okay. have learned skills. Um, yeah. And there's been some amazing things come out of it. Like if you ever read the Shine magazine, that's um, yep. they've got digital versions as well. There's people have been doing like wood carvings or music or connecting with others and and teaching or learning. And that's been beautiful. Um, yeah. But then I think there's also lots of people who have experienced loss and loneliness and been stuck in houses that were not good for their health or their mental well-being. Um, so. And I think that, yeah, changes across the city based on a variety of things. Um, but that need to understand people better, I think, um, has come out more strongly. And that kind of keeping to check in with people. So we we talk a lot, I think, in the system about co-production and engaging with people. But that possibly tends to be with people who come to formal groups. So people who are already quite engaged and will come to groups and tell you what they think, which is brilliant. But I think that COVID has really highlighted the fact that we need to tap into those more informal groups as well in ways that work for them. So not necessarily asking people to come to a big meeting to talk, but how do we work with people who maybe will just mention it at a lunch club that mm. this is something they're struggling with or and how do we use that more informal channels and also yeah. to to get messages out the other way. So we know with COVID there's been a lot of messages and a lot of yep. confusing messages. Yep. So we've really found the um, the smaller community groups who have links with their residents or the people they work with. Um, so we've done some funding for culturally diverse older people's groups and they've done so much work on digital inclusion, translating messages, um, not just putting NHS leaflets out there, but kind of translating them into different languages and then doing them in creative ways, like doing it whilst you're doing like a dance music group wow. and then also having a conversation about COVID and that kind of, yeah, that just the, the diversity of what we have in Leeds and whether that's us understanding people's experiences, or whether that's us giving people the knowledge and the support to make informed decisions, I yeah. think I think we always knew that, but COVID's kind of really brought to light how complicated and rich and wonderful it is, but how much there is to do yeah. and learn. Yeah. And I, do you think do you think those sort of relationships and those informal groups, you know, do you think they were they were always there? Because I get the sense that Leeds is a very connected community city anyway. And I think the system has been doing a lot of this, bringing people together and listening for a while. So I, I wonder if the underpinnings of all of that great stuff that you've just said were sort of there anyway. So to build on that was was like, you know, you were you were a couple of rungs up on the ladder already, whereas other places in the country might not have 
I suppose, invested so much time and effort in in creating those networks. You know, the neighborhood networks, for example, are a wonderful organization and network of people. Um, so I wondered, do you think Leeds is sort of always leading and he's always slightly ahead of the curve in these sort of things? A hundred percent, yes, because <laughs> when the pandemic started, so I was thinking about this when you, uh, beforehand you had kind of said, how do you know what you do makes a difference or how do you know it's working? Yeah. And I was thinking that when the pandemic started, it was very much the those networks that were already in place who just snapped into place and were like, well, yes, we'll get shopping for people. We'll do this. Well, if people need to isolate, we've got stuff in place. And I think that was, yeah, just really highlighted what you just said about we have all of that. And there are people who are not linked in. And we yeah. do know that there are still people left out of that. But Leeds, I think, is incredibly, we're incredibly aware of who we have and the diversity and the different groups and where to go. And yeah, I think just the fact that we could do it so quickly and people knew who yeah. who lived there and they knew the people. They weren't just numbers or or X number of older people. It was they know um, their communities and talk to them and yeah. could do something to support them, which yeah. I think was amazing. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. And do you. So this Leeds is a very diverse place um, from, you know, in a not in a in a in a just a few miles the i suppose the opportunities or or not opportunities are very different so again during covid times have you noticed sort of the inequalities in the people that you're working with and talking to so the older people how was that how has that sort of manifested itself i suppose in in good ways and not such good ways um so I think one of the most interesting things is, so we are working with a number of areas, um, primary care networks on the vaccine work. So, and we've been doing that since the vaccines came out um, and we're work, we've got a bit of money and we're very much trying to work with people on the ground as well as kind of community organizations and, and primary care to see what do people in these areas need. And quite a lot of the time it's, again, that space to talk and have those conversations about what matters to me Whereas there are some areas in the city where perhaps they don't face so many barriers. Um, but I think it's really interesting as well, the difference in the health inequalities. So we're working with nine areas, particularly on vaccines, just in, as an example. And the, the things that the community faces barriers are so different across the city, um, which there are some things like transport is an issue for lots of people. And there'll be some big headlines like, not being able to afford the bus to go get your vaccine or whatever. But I think that it's really highlighted that the needs of different communities are very different for different communities and the way that we tackle them will be very different as well. And promoting that health equality or health equity really does need to be on like a, a community basis. We can't just use, even though it's just in one city, but even looking at like East Leeds, the communities there are very different and will need different things and want to engage differently. Um, yeah. And so I think that's something we've been able to do well with vaccines and kind of really listening to people and having the, the space to do what the community has asked us to do and working together with all those different partners. But yeah, just to, I don't know if that answered your question, but 
yeah. it's manifested in that it is very broad and very different. But then on the other hand, there are areas that aren't deprived. Um, so like maybe some of the outer areas with older people who live in lovely big houses and stuff, but they have faced different barriers to getting their vaccine. So there is obviously the deprivation element, which is our focus, but there are barriers for older people across the city, which I think possibly younger age groups or different age groups don't, or, or again, face different barriers. So I think it's an interesting intersection of age and location and ethnicity and yeah. yeah. Fascinating, fascinating. Okay. and. So kind of bringing it round to one of the purposes of this podcast is to to highlight, I suppose, the benefits of, of local care partnerships, which are, you know, based loosely on primary care networks and, and, a, and a population of about, you know, 30 to 50,000 people. So what do you see are the benefits of working collaboratively around a population of people in a particular really focused community so you know let's take you know for, for people living with frailty for example in in seacroft why 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 should we bother doing that why aren't we just doing a one size fits all across the whole of leeds why why should we work for a particular pop work better and yeah i was going to say more well but that's not afraid <laughs> is it how do we work better and why should we work better around these sort of populations? Um, I think one of the the biggest things that comes to my mind is just the assets and the amazing things that are in each of these communities. So Seacroft will have amazing groups already and they have different green spaces or different community centres or different a different history as well to if you look at, I don't know, someone in Morley or something, they, so, I think that is, first of all, the most important thing that you're working with people. So they might be living with frailty, but they are so much more than that. They are people with history and a community. And so you need to go and and be in that space as opposed to looking at it from a citywide perspective, because that that I mean, they might still be from Leeds, but that doesn't mean enough. I think when you're looking at how do we support people in their lives? We, yeah. then you need to understand their lives and you can't if you don't go to a community and then in terms of working in a local care partnership those partners similarly work in that community and will all have different assets of their own and different knowledge and experience as well and they might have done stuff before and seen if it worked as opposed to a citywide organization coming in and or, or even from public health if we come in and say well nationally we know this but that the benefit of a local care partnership is they can say, well, that's brilliant, but we tried that. And then you can have those conversations about, well, what do we do differently and what matters to this area? And yeah. because, yeah, otherwise I think you miss a lot of that and you, you, it doesn't work as well as it could. Yeah. And it's, I suppose it's that, you know, that national focus, you know, public health could come into Morley and said, well, we think, we think we should do it this way. And the people in Morley will just go, what? Um, so it's, you know, how do you tailor that message really carefully about the identity of those communities? Because I, I think, you know, people that live in Morley identify as being from Morley. They might not necessarily identify as being from Leeds. Similarly with people that live in Weatherby, they're very, you know, Weatherby focused. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's fine. But that sort of, 
yeah, that really tailored working with approach, um, you know, it it reaps benefits, better benefits, doesn't it? And if that's why we're, I mean, presumably that's why we're all in these jobs, because we want to do something that's better and we want to spend yeah. money in a way that makes sense to people. So so yeah. why wouldn't we? And I understand in, in places maybe where they don't have local care partnerships, that might be really hard to know who the people are and have time to talk to them because we're all so busy. But the local care partnerships to go to a space and hear about what everyone else is doing and to say, I've got this idea or I've got this problem. And other people coming in and saying, well, I'd love to work with you on that. Or yes, we're doing something already. And yeah, I think that's just brilliant. And yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. But back to the sort of, you know, one of the mantras is how do you know that any of this is making stuff better? So, you you know, you've given me a great example of that guy in, in Seacroft. But generally, you know, when you are you, you know, do you leap out of bed in the morning and think, right, today I'm going to do this? <clears throat> or, you know, I know that I know really confidently that the, the, the work I'm doing is is improving the lives of, of older folk in Leeds. How do you how do you get that knowledge and intelligence? Is it is it just listening to to the people that you're working with and, and hearing those stories? I think so this is something that I'm really interested in because I think it's not one answer I think it is about those relationships and listening to people and listening to a broad number of people as well from different aspects and people who maybe aren't receiving the services or or who who you don't normally talk to and what they think about it but then I think there is a bit about um evaluation and looking at the numbers but I I am cautious about that sometimes as well because sometimes that doesn't capture people's experiences so I think there isn't a one-size-fits-all I think it does depend on looking at the evidence that we have because we are very evidence-based and we do need to look at the data but looking at the data within the context of other things as well because numbers by themselves don't tell us anything really they they need us to to tell the story um but yeah so I I do feel like we are making a difference in Leeds and I know that because of talking to people and because of our numbers and because we have so many avenues where we do engage with people, I think there are so many places to talk about things. And yeah, so yes, a, a mixed a mixed thing. And we can always do more. And that's why we are in the jobs we're in. But yeah, I think that relationships and talking to people along with the evidence. Yeah how we know we're making a difference definitely definitely okay i'm gonna i'm gonna now ask you to to give me your big question so as regular listeners to this podcast will know i like to drop in a big question every now and then so um hannah what's your big question for the listeners of this podcast my big question is about health so because i work in public health um what my big question would be what's your idea of living in good health or what does healthy mean to you and how do you in your role or in your personal life how do you help contribute to that whether it's your community's health leads as a city being a, a healthy city and is health just medical or is health a lot broader with kind of your physical and mental health and yeah, yeah. so what does health mean to you and how do you contribute to that fabulous 
I love that. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, and you've just sort of alluded to some some other folk that we've had on the podcast around, you know, prescribing all sorts of stuff costs a fortune. Could we could we move some of that prescribing of drugs to activity or social engagement? I mean, yeah, it's uh, that's a great question. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. That's an absolute pleasure. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll end it there. And uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks. taking the time to listen to this podcast please do like subscribe and share with colleagues across your networks the podcast is available on a range of platforms including spotify and google podcasts until next time thank you